Shalom Christians, those of you on site and those online, yeah, welcome. Trust that the week of fasting and prayer had been uh, eventful. It's, it's, it's always wonderful to begin the year uh, with seeking God, isn't it? Before the busyness and the craziness crashes in. And what do I mean by that? I mean the Lunar New Year, before that comes, you know. Prepare yourself. Eh? So quiet today. <laughs> so how many of you already had a refreshing time last week, you know, with, with the Lord? Did you hear something from God? Already got something from Him? How many of you heard nothing? Also put out your hands. No, don't despair. We've got another week, this coming week, we're still going to meet God. So keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep waiting expectantly on God to show up and to minister to you in a special way. All right? Also by a show of hands, how many of you were at J333 last Wednesday at Bukit Batok? Wow, wonderful time, right? Wonderful time of breakthrough, and it was a joy to see the altar filled with Christians who are hungry, hungry for God. But if you've missed that, don't worry, we will open the altars later so that we can also engage God. But if you're here joining us or visiting us for the first time, we are on the second week of our Meet God campaign. And Meet is uh, what, what uh, when we say Meet, is really an acronym for what? More. We want more of God, more encounter with God, more empowerment from God, and more thirst for God. How many of you know prayer? It's our greatest gift and resource to connect with God. So in fact, it's like our 24-7 tank or customer support. We can always call to Him and He hears us. So today I want to explore with you from the book of James how we can pray the effective prayer which is from James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Can you say that with me? The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Who wants to pray effective prayers? Anyone? Yeah. I'm sure all of us do. Actually, prayer is not so difficult, right? There are only three components to prayer. The one praying, the prayer that one is offering, and then the one who's answering that prayer. How difficult can it be, right? We know God is a prayer-answering God. So, but is there a certain kind of prayer that God answers? Or is there a certain kind of person who is praying that God is inclined to hear? You know? It's like, does, uh, does somebody have a special pass to God's heart? And so we want to explore from this chapter, uh, this, this section today. So the first thing we need to know, the effective prayer begins with us wanting to pray and to pray habitually. That's from verses 13 to 16a. And if you're online, type in the chat, pray. All right, so verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Anyone? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone of you, uh, among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the, of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 16a, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. See, prayer is a spiritual discipline. And by spiritual discipline, I mean the things that we do, the practices that we have, the habits that we have that form us and grow us into Christ's likeness. So the more we pray, the more we will become His disciple. 
So prayer is not the last thing we do when everything else fails, you know. And then let's pray. But prayer is our spiritual discipline. That means prayer must be factored in into our schedule daily. So after a whole series on prayer, uh, the, children minister, uh, the children ministry's teacher asked one of the children, yeah, so have you been praying before your meals now? And then the boy replied, uh, no teacher, because my mom is a good cook. <laughs> I, I guess he, he didn't really catch the concept of prayer. So what constitutes prayer? Actually, two, very simple. Prayers are two main types. First, the personal uh, need-focused type. That means we come to God with our personal needs. And it could be on your own. You can pray individually or you can come together. Corporately, we can also raise up those personal needs to God. But there's another kind of prayer that we pray. It's the prayer that is kingdom-focused. It's about desiring, wanting God's purposes and plans and His will to be done on this earth. So as an illustration of these two types, let me show you the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 13. You will see that the personal prayers is sandwiched between the kingdom-focused prayers, uh, the two kingdom-focused prayers. For, for example, the first one is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a kingdom-focused prayer. But then it goes into our personal needs, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we, also forgive, we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is about us. Alright? And then it's back to you again, y'all. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so, kingdom focus, your personal focus, us, right? Ours. So of, the, of these two types of prayers, in this section that we just read, is more on what? Is it more on kingdom focus or more on personal focus? Just now we read. Kingdom or, or personal? He asked, is God suffering? Eh, no. He, who did he ask? Are you suffering, right? Is anyone suffering? So, Where's the focus? Is it kingdom or is it personal? Personal. Of the seven words here used, right, from verse 13 to 18, seven words on prayer and prayer, right? Six of this has to do with this act, you know, of expressing our desire in person, coming to God face to face and giving our request. You know. That's six of the words. And here, many of these words are of this, of this sort. So, what kind of prayers should we pray habitually? It says, for those who are suffering. What about those who are suffering? He said, let him pray. What does it mean? It means DIY prayer. If you're suffering, pray. Pray for yourself. I wish our Christian life is all sweet, all smooth, all simple. But it's not. So we go through suffering. And suffering can of, it, of itself pain. Uh, can of itself more than pleasure. Right? It can be instructive. So when we go through this, we seek the Lord. And when we seek the Lord, we, we discover something. We discover something about ourselves, that, that we are weak. And then we discover something about God, that God is more precious you know, to us in our times of pain and sorrow. So earlier in this chapter, James already exhorted his, his uh, listeners to be patient, not to grumble, but to remain steadfast when undergoing suffering. How? Is it not by blaming others, not by blaming your situation, not by being anxious, but by throwing themselves at the mercies of God who is sovereign, loving, and gracious. So if anyone is suffering, let him pray. But at the same time, he said, don't forget, you know, don't forget that when things are going well, uh, don't forget God. Remember to praise and thank Him. Um, the words here are, let Him sing praise. 
To sing praise is really a, a word that means to sing with an accompaniment, with, with an instrument, a string instrument, likely a harp. So when you're cheerful, the Bible says you can keep harping on God. <laughs> when you're not, you can harp on God. But when you're cheerful, you, don't, don't, you know you can still harp on God. You can still sing Him praise. So that's the first group that you must pray habitually for, those who are suffering. Then the sick. What happens? For the sick, call for the elders. Who are the elders? The elders are your leaders, your pastors, and those who are spiritually mature. So if it doesn't say what kind of sickness, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual, it could be physical. But when a person is sick, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed to call for reinforcement from your elders to pray for you. Why? I don't know about you. Because when I'm sick, I don't feel like praying. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm sicker than I, than I think. But when I'm sick, you know, it's like... So, you, you can't focus. I can't focus on praying when I'm sick, right? So you need to call for people to come and pray for you, those who are not. Now, last year, I had the opportunity to, to minister to a, a small group, and actually they invited me for some time, so I agreed to do that. But leading up to that Sunday, I was not, not well, and I saw a doctor already. And on the Sunday itself, well, I thought I was better, and I, in the morning, I took my ART, and it was negative. So I went to, went to Bukimoto, you usually have a pastoral prayer, and so about 10.15 we pray. And then during the prayer, all my colleagues look at me and say, Pastor, you look so pale. You, know? you better go home. <laughs> Don't, we have enough people, just go, just go home. Huh? I say, you sure? And so I, I, was, I was probably quite, quite sickly looking. So after that, I said, okay, okay, you can take care of the, you know, the services. I'll go back. Before I went back, I went to see a doctor. And then um, I asked him to do an ART. So, okay, ART, yeah? negative, fine. But in that afternoon, I had this session, right, remember? So I was thinking, it's better to tell the leader, just in case, like, it's a precautionary measure, right? So I called, I texted the, the, the leader and said, you know, I, I'm not well, I've got some residue, uh, cough, uh, some sore throat, and a slight fever. You know? So do you, do you want to continue? Because I'm negative, COVID negative, so I'm not, uh, COVID, it's not COVID, it's some other flu. And then we talked about it, and he said, okay, you know. So and then I, went, I went back and, and slept, slept an hour. Then I went. It was in, in Tangling. It was here. It was held here. So I came here. I, I said, I will, I'll be masked on throughout, so just to be safe. So I came, and, and I kind of did what I was supposed to do as best as I could. So that's not a story. The story is this. After, after I finished everything, the whole group came and prayed for me. They prayed for me. So I remember it was about 4.30 when it finished. So they prayed for me, thank God. After, after that, they left for other things. And then I was still here. I was still up in the office. And I was still feeling quite terrible. Eh? So quite, you know, quite, quite tired. But then in the evening, I had another activity. You know? So I was at the, at the level two, the, the couch there, and just <sighs> resting. <laughs> and then by tell what happened. At 8.30, four hours after their prayer, something changed. You know? Because I'm not like that. I would gradually improve. If I'm sick, right? Sore throat, fever, uh, cough, I would gradually improve. But at 8.30, uh, something happened. You know? Straight away, I knew I was okay. You know? Straight away. You know? So after that, it was done. It was done. You know, the whole thing was gone. I, I knew I knew I was healed. So what's the, what's, the, what's the lesson here? If you're sick, don't go and hide yourself in your house, in your room. Uh. Ask people to pray. Somehow, right? If I, I'm a pastor, right, I could have laid hands on myself. In Jesus' name be healed. <laughs> but that's not the plan. The plan was, you go, 
and then let others pray with you. And I was so so blessed and so surprised by that healing because I didn't expect that. You know, I thought it would be another dreary Monday, another Tuesday, but instantaneously at 8.30, I checked you know, because I felt different. It was 8.30. Amen? So when you're sick, don't be embarrassed. Call for people to pray for you. So those of you who are suffering, pray. Those of you who are sick, call for the elders, the third group, for the one in sin. You know. Pray for one another. Mutual praying. Your suffering could be caused by your sickness, maybe not. And your sickness could be caused by a sin, maybe not. But he's talking about the sicknesses that are caused by an unconfessed, unconfessed sin. So he's asking if you, if you have a sin that's causing all these problems, right? You need to confess it because who doesn't sin? All of us. Now this is important. I remember why he, he's asking them to confess sin because it factors into the next part of, his, uh, of, of, of what he's writing. So here, like I said, not, everything is, not every sickness is caused by sin. Most of the time, our sicknesses is caused by what? Regular wear and tear. You know? Old age. Uh, or uh, encountering new and novel viruses. <laughs> so maybe those are the reasons. But he said if, if your sickness is connected to your sin, you need to confess. In fact, all sins must be confessed so that we'll be spiritually healthy. So what is James telling us? James is teaching us to pray at every opportunity with all kinds of prayer. How do you know your, your prayer is effective if you don't even pray? So start by praying. Praying for all needs. Always pray. So this is also what Paul said, right? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he said, and pray in the Spirit on all all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So the first learning point is this, pray by all means pray with all kinds of prayer. Don't stop praying. Whatever the situation, all situations, pray and look to God. That's the first thing we need to do, huh? uh, learning about effective prayer. The first thing is pray. And pray habitually, pray regularly. The second thing, effective prayer is more than just praying, we understand, because it goes into the next bit. It requires that we pray with confidence, you know, pray confidently. And if you're following us online, type in the chat, press in. We need to press in. Verse 16b, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James 5:16b in the New Living Translation says, "The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results." So where does this confidence come from? I told you six of the seven uh, words on prayer or pray is about coming before God, the act of coming. This word is a different word here in verse 16b. It's a word that talks about not our action but our attitude, the posture of the person coming to God. Well, it is important for us and it's good for us to pray all sorts of prayer, right? But what is really critical is not just the pray, prayer we pray, but the person who's praying, who we are before God. Let me, let me illustrate by giving you two Old Testament passages. The, the first one comes from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. And he's talking to Israel. He said, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. So the problem is not God. What's the problem? It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Remember? So the verse just before that, 16a, um, James exhorts us, 
to confess our sin. Why? Because sin is going to be that barrier. Second, uh, second passage comes from the Psalms, Psalm 66, verse 18 to 20. The psalmist says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw His unfailing love from me. So it's very obvious from these two passages that sin is a barrier between us and God. It's the problem God knows. The problem is this side with us. So how was Israel going to become righteous and without sin before God? Not by the works. It was impossible. They tried and tried and tried and they could not live up to the, to the standard, the holy standard of God's righteousness. But praise God, today you and I stand on the righteousness that Christ has for us. Amen? Through dying on the cross, taking away our sin, He imputed or credited righteousness to you. It's like one day you wake up and you check your bank account. Wow! Three million dollars. Who put it there? Somebody credited to you. Did you earn it? You didn't. It was something given. So righteousness was credited to each of us if we express our faith in Him. Because we are saved by grace through faith and not by our works. That's what Paul tells us. So here, when Jesus took our sin, He made us as if we did not sin. And in, in this context of James, it's very, very clear. The righteous, who's the righteous person? The righteous is simply one whose sins are forgiven. And not just in position, but in actual practice, because we do sin. So that's why he said, confess your sin. So that's why we need to pray for each other for the forgiveness for our sins. And that righteousness is now sin in how we also treat others. So the person who prays is confident of securing an audience with the Lord, not by the urgency, not by the volume or the earnestness of his prayer, but by recognizing that the sins, when confessed, no longer disqualify him or her before the presence of God. Now the opposite is also true. When we have unconfessed sin in us, I don't know how many of you have experienced this, when you pray, the prayer sounds hollow. The prayer sounds empty. So what do we do? How do we pray confidently? First, we must pray in a way of humility. Or somebody said, humility. <laughs> Approach God with humility. Right? Humility. One of the things I, 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 mean, I was most humble about in this area of prayer was when I was asked the first time you know, in a class, in a Sunday class, to close the, the class in prayer. Now, I, I tell you why, because I was the oldest in the class, but not the oldest in faith. I was still very young in my faith. And the teacher looked at me and thought, well, this is the oldest, huh? give him faith, you know? Let him close in prayer. It was a very simple thing, right? You will, if you're a teacher of a class, you just ask anybody as led. So maybe she was led to ask me. But do you know what happened after that? Like now, moments of dead silence, you know. It was so dead because I was dying inside. Because I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know the words to say, right? I didn't know how to address God, and I don't know how to do this publicly. So imagine all these youngest, younger people, right, in, in the midst. I think they were either laughing or... So, okay, you know what I, I decided to do? I, I decided to outweigh the, the teacher. See who cannot take it first. And finally, thank God, she took over and prayed. But then she didn't debrief me after that, you know, nobody did, my friends didn't talk about it, my classmates didn't, so I was left with this scar, you know, of praying in public. So you know what I did? 
I tried to listen to those prayers uh, that were very impressive, you know. Ah, that's how you do it. Some, some of those who are praying, well, they quote Bible verse all, the, all over the place. You know? So maybe that's how you pray. So I learned all these things, but do you know, I, re- I realized that I can never be good enough to pray. You know? I'll, never, I'll never be good enough to pray. And sometimes the enemy comes to you in this, in this same manner. You know? He dangles your sins before you. See, you're praying. Are you, are you trying to... Is this a joke, you know? Are you trying to pray? You know who you are? You know God sees everything that you've done, every single thought that you've thought, every word that you have spoken, and you're praying? You must be joking, you know? God will never listen to your prayer. So what do you do when that happens? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Do you find that? Do you say, no, I'm a child of God. Listen, I'm a child of God. I'll tell you, don't do that. I tell you what I'll do. When, when the enemy comes to me and says this, right? I say, I agree with you. I agree with you. I am not worthy you know, for the Lord to listen to me. But I'm not coming in my name. I'm not coming in my righteousness because my righteousness will never be good enough. I agree with you. But I tell you what, I'm coming in the name of my Lord Jesus. You know. He has given me his name. He said, pray in my name. You have not asked. Up to now, ask so that your joy may be full. And it works every time. I said, Satan, I am not worthy, but I'm not coming to the Father in my name. I'm coming to the Lord in Jesus' name. And that's how you defeat the voice of accusation all the time. Because we've got one who endorses us before God. One who vouches for us. So you must come when you pray, come with humility. (laughs) Humility, right? But not just that, the next thing you must do when you approach God, if you were to be a righteous person, right, to pray before God, you must come with honesty. Anyone has come to you and said, Pastor, or you know, or just not Pastor, of course, can I be honest with you? Have you heard people say that? Can I be honest with you? Then for the rest of the, the conversation, it's not honest, one, you know. It, it's about co- complaints, right? It's about unhappiness. It's about venting and renting. The guy is not happy. He's not trying to be honest with you. He's trying to download, you know, the frustration to you. And after all these things, I'm still trying to hear, what's the real feeling behind this? You know? can, you, can you be that honest with God? Say, God, can I be honest with you? It's called honest to God prayers. You know? Do you know one third of the Psalms, what is the Psalm? The Psalm is the prayer book of the people of God. It's a prayer book. So we learn. One third of our psalms are called laments. And what are laments? Laments are this expression of deep grief, you know, deep despair, deep pain, deep sorrow, deep regret, deep complaints, you know. And regularly, verses, um, uh, phrases that the psalmist would use would be like this, why, Lord? You know? Or how long more, Lord? You know? Have you ever prayed this kind of prayer? Right? Lament before God. Is God going to fall off his throne when you pray like that? So, whoa, I'm surprised, you know? I thought everything was going fine. No, 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 no. Ever asked the kind of prayer, uh, honest prayers before God? Laments are prayers that are honest before God. Although God always wants us to be reverent, right? He doesn't want to hear textbook prayers. He doesn't want to hear neat and nice prayers. He doesn't want to hear standard prayers for us. You know, God effortlessly sees through our pretense, you know, of trying to sweet-talk him. Huh? Say something nice so that he will incline his ear. No, 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 he doesn't need that. Because prayer is not a transaction like a business one. You know? It's not going through by a prescribed script or a memorized text. You know? 
Lord, if I say this, you will respond this way. It's more like the unguarded conversations that you have with your loved ones, with your friends. Not following a, a, a script, right? Just saying what's on your heart and expressing that openly before the Lord. And even among friends, even before God, you know, sometimes we don't have the right words to say how we feel, how we think, what's on our heart. We don't have, you know. But then we have the groanings, the grunts. And sometimes before God, I'm just doing the groanings and the grunts of the Holy Spirit you know, who helps us to pray when we do not know how. You know. So what's God going to listen to? God is not just going to listen to the words, He's going to listen to the heart. You know. Listen to our heart. So James tells us that the righteous person's prayers are effective because the righteous prays without relying on his or her own merits, station or position. You know to draw a response from the Lord. Psalm 34, 15, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears toward their cry. So, gracious, if you are in Christ, you stand forgiven in His righteousness. Amen? Amen? You can trust in His righteousness to find an audience with the Lord Almighty. So, the second learning point, pray confidently in Jesus' name, but also with humility and honesty. Finally, Effective prayer. Effective prayer requires us to pray expectantly. Type in the chat, power. We need to pray with power. What happens when sometimes our prayers seem uh, to be ineffective, like powerless? In this book, right, if you read the whole book of James, you will discover that James actually mentioned two reasons why our prayers can sometimes be powerless. He said when you pray and you pray with doubting and wavering, that prayer will not be answered. You need to pray in faith. Then the second thing is, if you pray asking for your own selfish gain, right? That also will be powerless. So indeed, when we pray, we must ask in faith, not wavering. Not just any kind of faith, but a faith that understands the heart of God and conforms to the word and the will of God. You see, when we pray, we're not asking God to align His will to our will. We're asking God to show us His will so that we can align ours to His. Right? So don't get that order wrong. We're not trying to inform God what, what is our plans and purposes for this year. We're asking God to let us know, download His plans and purposes so that we can walk in them. When we pray, we are not telling God, I'm in control. When we pray, we're saying, God, you are the one in control. So these prayers are different. This is why it is important and significant for the church to seek God in prayer at the beginning of the year, so that we can download his plans, his purposes, his, his desires for us individually as well as corporately. Because only God knows what is ahead. You know? Only God knows what is ahead. And if, if we give God the time, he can help us, right? He can help alert us, inform us, and prepare us for what is to come. So at this point, James brings out an example of a person, of a prayer of a person uh, who was reckoned righteous by God and his prayers had great power. So let's read verse 17 and 18. Yeah. So James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Who was Elijah? Elijah was the Old Testament prophet and he was called and commissioned by God to bring Israel, you know, who had gone astray to come back to the worship of Yahweh. King Ahab, the king then, married uh, Jezebel, who was the daughter of a pagan king. And what happened was, they let 
the whole nation of Israel to worship Baal. And when Elijah was introduced in the Bible, it's a very strange introduction. It said that he prayed to stop the rain and, and the rain stopped for three years. What an introduction. So is that what we're supposed to do? Are we supposed to pray for the weather all the time? Is that a kingdom-focused kind of prayer? Are we trying to mess with uh, NAE's uh, weather forecast, you know? Tomorrow rain, are we praying? No rain, no rain, and then wrong again. You know? Are we supposed to do that? What's this whole idea about rain, right? Ah, the background is this. You know, the God, the, the God you know, they worship, the Baal God, is known for what? It's touted and worshipped as a God of storms and rain. You know? And by virtue of that, he was also the God of fertility because if the rains come, then everything will be uh, growing, there'll be harvest. And so when Elijah prayed uh, that the rain would stop, right? And there was no rain at all. It was what? It was to show that that God Baal was completely powerless. You know? And that Yahweh was supreme. He had supremacy over even this God of Baal. And this God that they worshipped was not just a false God. It was a weaker, lesser God. You know? So that was what he was trying to do. Of course, everybody knows about Elijah. That big showdown and encounter right on Mount Carmel. But before that, now, he already threw that gauntlet down and said, the battle is on. No rain. And God responded and heard. No rain meant no harvest. No harvest meant no food. No food meant the people were dying. And it was a very practical reason, practical lesson and an obvious pain point you know, to Israel that God was not pleased with their worship of Baal. And then it says, when he prayed, oh, when he prayed again, right? After three and a half years, he prayed without doubting or wavering. Praying seven times before a small cloud like a man's feast appeared. That was enough to indicate that rain was coming. If you read the story, what was he saying? He said the rain cloud, uh, the rain God is no match for the real God. Can you imagine? Even rain is in the hands of Yahweh and Yahweh alone. So was his prayer a prayer of a personal need focus? Or was it kingdom focus? Huh? It was not need focus Because why? Because he was also affected by the famine. He himself was affected. He wasn't praying that, oh God. No, but when he prayed this prayer, he himself was affected by it. But he was not not looking for his, about his own personal need. He was looking at something bigger. The glory of God. The name of God. He was praying a kingdom-focused prayer. So when we pray kingdom-focused prayer, we can expect God's power. And sometimes when we pray for our own needs, right? Or like very slow, like God doesn't seem even to respond. Maybe there's a kingdom focus that we're not seeing. Maybe we need to pray a higher uh, level prayer, a prayer about the kingdom. Okay? So, his prayer was that, but Elijah, I mean, James said, Elijah was a man like us, you know? How was he a man like us? He said, for all the miracles and bonus of Elijah, he was just a mere mortal who obeyed God. He had his highs, you know? You know, he had victory, he experienced victory, he experienced triumphs, but he also had his lows. He felt abandonment, he felt lonely, he felt fearful, uh, he felt, uh, dis- uh, he despaired, he was in distress, and there was even a time when he contemplated death, you know. So yet, like Elijah, James says, human as he was, we can also earnestly pray for God's honour and power to be revealed for the salvation, the deliverance, the turning of hearts of the people Back to God. Because it is always God's express will that no one should perish, but all should come to repentance. So this year, 2023, pray all sorts of prayer. Pray for your needs, but also don't forget to pray 
kingdom-focused, kingdom-centered, kingdom-seeking, kingdom-sized prayers. Because when you pray those prayers like Elijah, who was like us, we're praying the heart of God, the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know. First Timothy 2, 1 and 4 says this, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now usually we pray this prayer when? During National Day. And we kind of stop there, like, you know, let's pray for our leaders, that, you know, all that. But that was not the point of, the, of, of this verse. You, you must read on. He said, this is good. Why is this good? And it is pleasing. Why is it pleasing in the sight of God? Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The reason why we pray this prayer is to uphold uh, you know, our leaders before the Lord and ask for peace because that's the environment for people to come to the Lord. So the reason for praying for that is that people are safe. People come to the knowledge of the truth. So the third learning point is this. Pray kingdom prayers and then expect God's power to restore, to heal, to forgive, and to save. So as we close this time, how many kinds of needs do we see in, in this passage? Four, actually four. Uh, so the first one is what? Pray for who? Those who are suffering. Second, pray for those who are sick. Very good. The third, pray for those who are who have sins, right? Those who are in sin. Fourth, pray for what? Pray for those who need salvation. So pray not just personal needs, but also pray kingdom-focused needs. James tells us prayer should be our habit. It should not be something we do at the last resort, something we do when we have need. Pray should be something we do all the time because there are so many needs at every level. We should all pray all the time with all kinds of prayers for all kinds of needs. And when we pray, we must pray with confidence, coming in Jesus' name and in humility and with honesty before God. Because God is not waiting to hear textbook prayers. He's waiting to hear what's on your heart. And when we pray with confidence, let's pray and expect God's power to be released in our lives. How many people need God's power? All of us need, need God's power in our life. Amen? The prayer of a righteous person has great power. So all of you, if you're in the Lord, you stand righteous before Him. Of course, you need to work that out. You know, we can see that. But that's, that's why God will hear us. But will you pray today? Will you pray for God's power in your life? in your family, in your situation. God is calling. <laughs> Will you? You see, effective prayer is not in knowing the right words, you know, or the exact words to, to, to say. It's not about that. It's that we pray with humility, honesty, and with honesty, coming in Jesus' name and on His terms. You know, and begin to pray prayers that seek His kingdom purposes. For these prayers will be rewarded with God's power. So today, as we close this time, right? Eyes closed, heads bowed. I need, I need us to respond to the Word of God. It's very clear. Prayer is a, it's an amazing gift that God has given us. Precious gift for us to connect with God. Our helpline all the time. And He's telling us we need to pray. We need to pray.
How many of you here, sitting here today, right, with your eyes closed and heads bowed, you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. Yep, I see that hand. Before God. And how, how many of you, when you hear this, this uh, sermon today, that you need to pray? You need to pray. God is calling you to pray. Is that you? Is God calling you to pray? Is anyone among us suffering? Is anyone here sick? Is anyone here the weight of that sin is bearing you down, wearing you out? Is there someone like that here this morning? So don't pray at the last resort. Pray because God has given us this privilege. Don't neglect this great privilege. And some of us today, perhaps, you know, you've, you've hit a brick wall in your prayer life. It's stagnant. It's not going anywhere. It's like an uphill task all the time. Maybe the enemy has accused you and said, you, you are not worthy to pray. Don't pray. You know, your prayer will never work. God will never hear you. Your prayer will always be uh, uh, ineffective because you are not right with God. This morning, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm asking you to pray in Jesus' name. He said, Lord, I'm going to refute that. I'm going to pray in the name of the Lord. I'm, I'm going to come in the confidence, not of mine, but in Jesus' alone. In Jesus' name alone. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And perhaps today as you sit there, you need salvation. You need the power of God in your family. Maybe you've got a spouse who's unbelieving all this while. Maybe you've got children who have backslidden. You need God's power working on your behalf. Maybe it's your work. You need God's power. You say, Pastor, I really need to, to see God working on my behalf. God's power released and, and unleashed in my life. If that's you, also I, I would like you to put up your hand right now. Yes, yes, yes. Just lift your hands to the Lord all over the place. Yes. Those of you up there in gallery, lift them to the Lord. So today, I will just open the altars now for you. Those of you to come, you need to come, present yourself before God because the Lord is waiting here. Don't let Him keep on waiting. Just come with your need. You need to pray. You need prayer. You need God to work a miracle, to work something powerful in your life. As we stand, let's all stand. And before Andrew comes and leads us in, in a song, I just want to open the altars now for you. Just come and say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you this year more than ever before. And so that, just, just begin to come down right now. Amen. Lord, we need Amen. your Meet the Lord here. He is here. Mercy. He wants to touch your life. He wants to, to be with pray you. He wants to help. He wants to rescue. We need the power of your Holy yes. Spirit. Come, come, there's still space on the right and the left. To open, open your hearts to heaven's door. Come humbly, come honestly. Spirit, tell God what's on your heart. Connect with Him once again. Put out the enemy. Don't let Him stop you from approaching God. Lord, we need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough in our lives. We need you, Lord, like never before. God, we need you like never, never before. Let your reign, let your 
There's still room for those of you in the gallery. Just make your, make your way down. Take that step of faith. Say, God, I want to meet with you. I want you to be Lord over my life. I want you to work in ways that I cannot even imagine. I want to see salvation in my family. I want to see salvation in my loved ones. I want to see salvation in my children. You come to the Lord. Bring the name of your beloved one, your friend, your family member. Just bring that name before God. Is it Lord? Just turn our eyes and lift up our eyes to the Lord.